Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Callista Anderson. Callista helps pregnant mamas get ready for their baby by preparing themselves, their space, and their significant other. She does so through her podcast, The New Mom Boss, as well as coaching and her online course, New Mom Prep School. Callista is a registered nurse, certified lactation counselor, and mom of three. Her passion for helping new moms was born when she had her first two kids 13 months apart, catapulting her into the new mom phase back to back. It's her mission to make preparing to be a new mom simple and thorough so that women can enter motherhood with confidence and love their postpartum period. In the episode, Callista shares how to put your home on autopilot, tips for strengthening your relationship pre-baby, a couple registry must-haves, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to take a minute to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think that eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store. That is until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I order on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order, and I'm able to place every Thrive order from the comfort of my couch via their website or app. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash thrivemarket, or click through the link in the show notes. And one more thing, if you've been yo-yo dieting for years, but nothing you've tried has helped you keep the weight off long-term, I'm so happy you're hearing this right now. Outside of hosting this podcast, I help people lose weight for the last time without giving up carbs, counting every calorie, drinking some gross meal replacement shakes, or other unsustainable extremes. Unlike diets, apps, and programs that only provide short-term results and suck the fun out of life, I help you develop effortless habits that work for your unique lifestyle so you can drop those pesky pounds for good, feel completely in control around food, and start showing up as the trimmest, healthiest, most confident, most energized version of yourself. Learn more about my programs at thehealthinvestment.com. And don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions at all. I always love hearing from you. All right, it's time to hear from Callista. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best, without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. 
I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Callista. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Hey, Brooke. Thanks for having me. I was mentioning I had an expert already talk about the fourth trimester on the Health Investment Podcast, and it was very well received. A lot of great feedback from that episode. So I can't wait for you to share your nuggets of wisdom today and kind of your take on how you help moms in that new stage of life that I'm not a mom yet, but it seems like a lot. (laughs) Well, it sure is. Um, And I love talking about the fourth trimester. And um, but before I do, let me just tell your audience um, a little bit how about how I got into it and why I love it so much. Um, So I had my first two kiddos back to back. Um, They were 13 months apart. Mm -hmm. And um, just if you do the math, my first child, my baby was four months old when I got pregnant again. And I wasn't even so I was right in the middle of the fourth trimester. And then I found out I was pregnant again, and I would have to do it all over again in nine months, or less than nine months by the time I found out. Um, And so I feel like I, there was a lot I didn't know the first time around. And so the second time around, I really felt like I found the roadmap into new motherhood, specifically the fourth trimester. And that's why I wanted to share it with other new moms. First, because my friends kept coming to me and asking me for advice. And then it kind of turned into this business where I wanted, I love doing it. So I want to turn it into my mission and my business um, to help moms all over, all over the country and actually all over the world um, through my podcast and through courses. Hmm. Um, Yeah. So um, let me back up a little bit more, even a little bit more than that. Um, My background is I'm a nurse and um, I've always wanted to be a mom, like since I was a little girl. So I thought the desire to be a mom and my nursing background, like I thought I was good. And I knew this, you know, this journey into motherhood was probably going to be a little challenging, but not too challenging because I've been practicing with dolls since, you know, <laughs> age of five. <laughs> Um, And so I did all the things that women normally do and parents normally do to prepare for a baby, which is, you know, do the registry, um, put the nursery together, do all the fun stuff and go to the hospital class. Plus, like I mentioned, I'm a nurse. So I I did a whole rotation in labor and delivery and I followed a lactation counselor around for, you know, a week at some point in my nursing school. Um, and so I was like, I got this, you know, and it was not as I expected. It was really, really hard. Um, the first few months and then finding out I was pregnant again, it was just, it threw me for a loop. So, um, yeah. Um, did you have a specific question about the fourth trimester? Yeah, I have a lot. Um, I was just thinking hearing your story that, you know, I hear from friends who are new parents that you kind of see this light at the end of the tunnel when your baby 
is getting to five, six months, maybe they're sleeping through the night, you're sleeping through the night. So I can't imagine what that must be like when you're probably still extremely sleep deprived. And then you find out you're literally going to get the baby kind of to that point where it can sleep. And then you're going to go through this all over again. Yes. Oh my gosh. And let me just a little side story. When I found out I was pregnant again, and I wasn't sleeping, you know, a good amount yet. I mean, it gets a little bit better in the fourth trimester, um, but it's still not a full night's sleep, like pre-baby, right? So mm-hmm. I was, I didn't know if I wanted to cry or, you know, be happy. I, you know, <laughs> hormones are still all over the place, but I just knew I had to get sleep. So I told my husband, I think we need to sleep train because I need to sleep before this next baby comes. And so we did a bunch of research about sleep training and my husband's a, a doctor. He's in the oh. medical field too. So he's very familiar with, you know, research and breaking it down and that kind of stuff. So I had him help me look stuff up and we we found out it's it would be safe to sleep train. And I just looked at the different kinds of trainings out there and we picked the one that we thought would work for us. And that's what we did. So I did finally get some sleep. Um, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah, she was my daughter was five and a half months when we sleep trained. And so we were right smack in the middle of the fourth trimester. I finally got some sleep. And, you know, for the rest of my pregnancy, um, I got pretty good sleep because we did a good job and she did a good job. The baby did a good job sleeping. Um, but I want to do, I want to go back and say where the fourth trimester came from. And I know you had a guest that talked about it. Not sure if she mentioned why we even call it that. Um, the fourth trimester is a term that was coined by Dr. Harvey Karp. He is the author of the book, the happiest baby on the block. And, um, his all his research shows that human babies are not actually fully developed or you know we like to say bun in the oven and they're fully cooked and ready to come out humans are very different than other animals in that they're not really supposed to be born at nine months um that's why they are so helpless when they come out they're just like this like really cute blob right (laughs) (laughs) they can't even hold up their necks or their heads Um, and he says or he believes that you know the baby actually needs more time in there like another three months Um, and that's why he calls it the fourth trimester and so we're trying to mimic the womb for the next three months after birth which is the fourth trimester and that's why we do everything we can to mimic it such as swaddling the baby so they're tight like they're in a little ball like they would be in the womb we want to bundle them up and make them warm um they don't like to be um hungry right because well nobody likes to be hungry but specifically (laughs) newborns because that's the first time they're feeling the hunger pains because prior to birth they were being fed through the umbilical cord and so that stomach hunger is a different feeling Um, So that is the fourth trimester for the baby. And then for the mom, why is it so important? You know, I think that a lot of people, my friend said it, she said, everybody's so nice to you when you're pregnant. (laughs) But I think, you know, there's so much care and attention and a baby shower and just, you know, all of these things when you're pregnant. 
And then maybe even immediately after you have the baby, where the first couple weeks, maybe everybody wants to see it. And I've also heard the challenge that oftentimes when people come to visit, they don't want to do things that are actually helpful. They want to just sit and chat and hold the baby, which is fun. But there's so many other things, you know, that could help a new parent. Um, so why is it so important to talk about, to have this conversation about the mother's care during the fourth trimester? Yes. And actually the fourth trimester, yes, let's talk about mom because um, she is kind of forgotten about <laughs> after birth. Um, and who, I mean, I can't fault anybody, right? The baby is so cute. There's this new family member. Everyone's so excited to meet the baby, hold the baby, all very natural. Um, but the fourth trimester is also very important for mom because if you just imagine the body took nine months to grow a baby, birth a baby, and then overnight you're not pregnant and your body is just like, like contracting, trying to go back to normal. And so there's the whole physical healing part of mom that happens, that starts overnight. And then there's also the difference of care for the mother. When the woman is pregnant during pregnancy, there's about 20 something visits to the doctor. Hmm. And then postpartum in the fourth trimester, she gets one. At really? Start. Yes. One? It's a broken system here. <laughs> yes, there's a one postpartum visit at six weeks. That is the typical, unless there were complications and you may need to come sooner. But if you had a normal, healthy delivery, um, you know, vaginal delivery, you get one post-op or postpartum visit. And the doctor usually says, oh, everything's healing fine. You're good. And Usually they say it's okay to have sex and I can tell you, you're just like, what? Like my body <laughs> is not ready. Um, and every pregnancy is different, but you know, it's kind of this like cookie cutter um, timeline that we have in our healthcare system, which is really unfortunate. Um, and then that's it. The mom is kind of left to deal with all the newborn stuff and the fourth trimester stuff on her own which is why I am so passionate about this is because we have a lot of time before baby arrives to get ready for the things that are really going to help. You know, it's not just the nursery, the Pinterest perfect nursery and all the stuff, the gadgets, which seems to be the, the main focus for a lot of parents, you know, because we do need the stuff. We need the crib, the car seat, like those are all important, but there's also a lot of things that are unseen that we can prepare for that will really help in the fourth trimester, such as our relationships, um, you know, the, the partnership with whether you're married or not, your husband or partner, um, that can, that really has its own transformation, especially if it's your first baby. That first baby is going to put, I mean, it really changes the dynamics of the household. Mm -hmm. um, and I know intellectually people know that, but once you're in it, you're just kind of like, oh shoot, like what is happening here? Or sometimes it's not even obvious, you know, because we're so busy with the minute to minute things in the postpartum period that we don't realize all the changes until several weeks in and things are 
really uncomfortable. You know, there, there might be a strain in the relationship. There might be, you know, just the household is a mess. Like all these things um, we may not have thought about. I know I didn't think about that um, mm-hmm. after the baby in the fourth trimester. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking too, they use sleep deprivation. I mean, it's a torture device, right? I mean, that's how you literally can make people go crazy with (laughs) depriving them of sleep, not letting them sleep. And then you've thrown two people who are living in a house together into this situation where nobody's sleeping and, but you're supposed to be communicating probably more than ever. I mean, I'm sure that's just extremely challenging, What are some tips you have to help parents, partners prepare prior to giving birth so that they have as much of a solid foundation that they can during that postpartum period? Mm, Yeah, I love talking about the relationship because I think it's another forgotten about entity um, in the postpartum period. So I said, you know, the mom is kind of put on the back burner. And then even in the farther back burner is the dad, right? And then the relationship, because there, there are, there's the mom and the dad as individuals, you know, caring for themselves, but there's also their relationship. And we all need to take care of ourselves, but we also need to take care of our relationship because it takes two. And so one thing I love to tell moms to be and to um, talk to their partners um, about their relationship before the baby arrives. So two things are my top two tips for for relationships is one, start talking about what might change. You know, you may not know exactly all the things that are going to change, but just imagine like sit down and think about, you know, what are the things that normally go on in your house that's probably not going to be the same. You know, just the routines and the um, the responsibilities of each person doing whatever task or chore because mom's going to be out of commission for a good several weeks. Um, and then, you know, getting people to help with certain things in the house. So, I mean, that's a whole other thing I like to talk about is preparing the home. But um, as far as the relationship, talking about it is step one, you know, not waiting until the baby is here and things are actually changing to talk, to point it out. Because like we mentioned the sleep deprivation, like that will just drive each of us crazy. Um, and so why not talk about these things while we're, we're not sleep deprived and we have our sanity. So that's one, just the communication needs to start earlier and talk about things that we imagine might be different. And then second is love languages. This is such a big key to relationships, I believe. It's where a lot of miscommunication happens. Um, Are you familiar with the love languages? I am, yeah. There's five, right? Or maybe they added, did they add a sixth one? Or I know there's five. There, There are five. That's the original love language, the five love languages. Yeah. Gary Chapman. Um. And so if, for those of you who aren't familiar, um, Gary Chapman wrote a book and he says there's five love languages and we like to receive love in a certain way. And that's how we can um, identify someone is showing us love. And it's, it's so important to know our partner's love language and our own love language so that we can see if they are giving us um, 
the love. They may be giving us love, but we don't see it because that's not our preferred love language. Mm. So let me just, if I can remember off the top of my head, the five love languages are um, physical touch, um, acts of service, words of affirmation, uh, receiving gifts, and quality time. Quality time. Yes, exactly. Um, And so like my love language is physical touch and my husband's is words of affirmation. So he may shower me with words of affirmation, but I may not receive it because I'm looking for that physical touch. And I didn't know this until we, you know, each took the test or the quiz. Um, And so now that we know each other's love languages, like we can better show each other our love. And the flip side of that is, you know, like I mentioned, mine is physical touch. So I might be giving my husband a lot of physical touch love language, but he's, he may not recognize, hey, I'm giving you some love right now because he's looking for the words of affirmation. And so the way we want to receive love is not the way, um, or might, it might be the way we are actually giving love too, and not, we're not recognizing it. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. My husband and I figured that out too. And I'm just thinking, once you know, also a little bit goes a long way. So I'm sure that's absolutely critical when you don't have much time to spend together and all the focus is on a new baby that just if you can give a little bit or he can give you a little bit of physical touch versus trying to give you all of the other things and none of those working, I'm sure the physical touch goes so much further. Yes. And these are little things, right? It's not, it's not a whole like, oh, you have to wine and dine me unless that's your, that's your love language. But these things take like five seconds, right? Like a little, um, you know, a little hug, a short hug, or just touch my shoulder as you pass by, like that just shows me support and love. Mm-hmm. And so that is so helpful in the postpartum period. Um, And there's actually a free app called the Nudge app, and it's by Gary Chapman's company. Um, There's the quiz in there if you don't already know your love language. Um, And then it also has you send it to your partner, and then it has each of your profiles in there. And then you can set up nudges to remind you to to give your partner some uh, their specific love language, which is nice. Oh, that's cool. Because again, it might not come naturally to you unless you both have the same love language, but I have yet to meet a couple that does. I think the majority of us are kind of mismatched and maybe it's that idea of opposites attract, but I know my husband and my, we don't share the same one. So just that nudge could be helpful to remind me, you know, show love in the way that he appreciates it. Right. And what I like about that app is it, it breaks down your percentage so, um, like my husband is words of affirmation, but close, a close second is gifts, which I would have never guessed. Cause he's not a, he doesn't seem like a gift type of guy, but <laughs> that was really, he, yeah, that was a little surprising. And I think too, um, let's say if you're a new mom and yours is acts of service, then how far something like your partner unloading the dishwasher or folding the clothes, you know, something like that could go such a long way. I know some women say, you know, just if you could just do one thing in the kitchen or one thing around the house, that would be the literal best for me. And I'm sure, especially if you, if that's your love language. Yeah. I mean, 
new moms need acts of services, period. But if, yeah, I mean, that's like two for one if that's your love language, too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you mentioned the home, and I know that you help people, you say, put their home on autopilot. And I'm really curious about that because that sounds amazing. How do you put your home on autopilot? Yes. So um, before everything I love to tell moms to be or parents to be is like, do this before the baby arrives. Of course you can do it when the baby is here, but you know, it's, it'll be more difficult. So putting your home on autopilot looks like taking an inventory of all the things that normally happen in your home, all the tasks and chores, like grocery shopping, taking the trash out, paying the bills, these kinds of things. And so you take an inventory and you cut out what you can cut out, delegate what you can delegate, or, you know, put pause, put a pause on something that you don't really need right, right away. Or, um, you know, paint like a, a subset of this would be like your bills, like, um, taking out all the things you don't need, putting things on auto pay, even if it's just for two months, um, so that you don't have to do the same tasks or chores every week or every month, however often the task or chore happens when the baby is here. So it's, it's like, <laughs> I don't know how old some of your listeners are, but I don't, the infomercial um, with the rotisserie cooking thing, like set it and forget it, mm. like autopilot as much as you can auto pay or delete or delegate. Mm. Is this also kind of where pre prepping and maybe even freezing batches of meals would come in? Oh yes. Meals for sure. Um, groceries, you can have subscription for different items um, whether it's on Amazon or just using um, delivery grocery services so that you don't have to go to the store. So yeah, like time is money, right? And time is so valuable. So you may have to pay a little bit more. But if, if you take out some other things that you don't need, I think it all balances out. Um, another suggestion I love to give out is um, having a meal train. Hmm. Have you heard of meal trains? I have, yeah. More for like if somebody comes back from the hospital or something, but I'd love for you to describe how that yeah. works. So same concept, same, and there's actually a site called mealtrain.com. Oh. Um, and it is a wonderful platform to share with your friends and family who, because, you know, after you have a baby or, you know, right before, everyone's always so um, willing to help, right? Mm -hmm. And I say take them up on it you know right. when they say is there anything I can do or let me know if there's anything I can do for you you know I would have a friend or a family member who I trust um, be in charge of this mm. and um, you know I would give them my email of the list of people I would enlist to help me if they've they've um, you know offered help or just my contact list or whatever and the, um, the person in charge can email the group through mealtrain.com or another platform just like it. Um, and yeah, it'll, it'll ask for um, the dates available or when you want your meals. 
and people will just take turns bringing you a meal or they can also send you a gift card for that date mm. and you could just order delivery. That's cool. I was wondering as you were talking about uh, setting the home up for autopilot. I know you also mentioned registries, right? We usually people will have a baby shower and people give a lot of tangible items. But I know for my husband and me, when we got married, we lived in New York City and we had no space for anything in our kitchen. Uh, and we also are pretty minimalistic when it comes to a lot of the things we keep in our home. So we registered on a site called Honey Fund and people just gave money that went to our honeymoon or to a future home. And it was just kind of this big lump sum that you could use however you wanted. Is that something that's available on these apps? I I know I've given people an Amazon gift card before, but do they have registries now where you could buy, you could contribute maybe to if somebody wants to hire somebody to clean their home, can you give maybe a hundred dollars towards that fund or things like that? Um, I'm sure there is. I can't think of one right off the top of my head. Um, But another thing um, a lot of sites do offer is for the big ticket items, you know, like if it's a $500 or $1,000 travel system, you know, the stroller with the car seat and all that stuff, people can contribute to that. Oh, okay. You know, one person isn't going to, you know, buy that whole thing. Um, Because what happens is people, you know, most people tend to buy like the middle of the road price thing, which is fine. Um, But there's only a limited amount, right, of like the lower end ticket items and the middle, you know, average price things. And you you might need help with the bigger things. And so Mm. it's nice to be able to offer that and have people contribute. And yes, the the meal train also um, collects money, so that might be another option. I'm sure these all these uh, baby registry sites have some form of con- um, collecting contributions, but the meal train too would be a great um, way to get it started even before the baby arrives. Um, and they also have the money collection option as well as gift cards. And yeah, speaking of space and baby things, you know, that's a lot of um, what new moms tend to do is um, register for all the stuff for their baby shower, things that they won't need for six, seven, eight months, like Mm. um, different, like a walker, for instance, like your baby won't need that for several months. And all these baby things come in big boxes. It's just going to sit in the corner of a room or somewhere in your home and it's going to collect dust. So what I like to suggest is only register for the things your baby will need for the first three months or diapers. You you know you're going to use diapers um, and the the rest of the things you can buy later. You know, it's, it's um, I feel like a waste of money if you ask people to buy you things that you're not even going to use for six months and mm-hmm. you can use it for other things that you will be needing the next several weeks to a few months. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, on the topic of registries, I know you have three kids. Are there any things that you think are the most game changing time saver things that somebody would register for in those first three months, maybe even things that people don't think about. I know that 
I saw a friend register specifically. They wanted zip up onesies because I guess those save, even if it's just seconds, it's just easier to get a zip up onesie on a baby than the button ones. Anything like that. That's like a tiny hack that goes a long way. Yeah. So for newborns, what I love is kimono shirts. It is really frazzling to try to put a onesie on a newborn because they're trying to put their heads in this little, you know, they're, they're stretchy cotton onesies, but it's like they don't like it. And it's hard when they're crying and flailing. So the kimono wrap tops, um, it's just like a jacket, you know, and then it has a few buttons. Um, and they have short sleeves and long sleeves. And it also leaves um, their, so it doesn't have the bottom part like a onesie. Mm. Which I like because um, when they're newborns, they're constantly changing their diapers. And so just having a top and leaving them without a bottom is makes it quicker to change diapers. And then they're always wrapped up anyway in a blanket or a swaddle or something. So you don't really need pants very much the first few weeks. Mm. Um, and, and they're getting used to the diaper changes like that's one thing I didn't think about before I had kids. It's like the babies are getting used to being on the outside world. They didn't know what air felt like until they were out here. You know, they were in amniotic fluid and they were warm and just like they didn't, you know, it's just a different feeling having a little air or wind blown on you. Mm. And I was even, I became even mindful when I was like breathing on them, when I was like rocking them, if they were sleeping snugly, you know, just like these weird things that I was like, Oh my God, I never thought about this. But, um, yeah. So even a diaper is a new feeling for them because they weren't pooping and peeping. I mean, peeing really like in utero, I mean, they were peeing, but it's like, they were always in liquid. So that doesn't feel, um, any different. Right. When you start wearing a diaper, just like that cold feeling. Um, it's really uncomfortable and they hate it. <laughs> they do. Uh, that's a great one. I think one of my friends had a lot of those little kimono tops and I didn't understand the utility of them, but that's a great idea. Are there any other gadgets or I know there's so many gadgets, yeah. but any ones that you I would say? I love the simple ones. I really love, there's always like super new high tech you know, expensive gadgets, but I, mine are the simple cheap ones. Like another favorite product of mine is the Haka pump. Hmm. Um, and it's just this like silicone um, bottle shape looking thing that you put on your breast. So you, it's silicone. So you squeeze it a little bit and then it creates this suction as you put it on your breast. So when you're breastfeeding on one side, um, what naturally happens is even though you're breastfeeding on one side, there will be a little bit of leakage on the opposite side. And with my first two babies, I would just put a, um, like a, a breast pad to catch the leakage. But then they came up with this Haka pump. What This is like my third baby. Um, and so I started using that and it caught all the leakage from the opposite breast. And I was able to create a, a stash of breast milk even before I started pumping because hmm. I was breastfeeding exclusively and not pumping for several weeks and um, that's one of the things moms aim to 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 gather is um, or create is a, a freezer 
full of breast milk so that when they go back to work or when they start going out and leaving baby at home, there's plenty of milk available and you don't have to worry about how, you know, when or how much the baby has left at home to, to feed on. That's so smart. I know I've heard breast milk referred to as liquid gold. So you never want to spill it or waste it, right? Yes, I've spilled a couple times. And it was like, so like, you do really want to (laughs) cry. Yeah, I'm sure you do. And maybe you even do cry. Because again, you're just a bundle of emotions, right? Right. I know you talk about the fifth trimester. And I've never heard that. What is that? Yeah, so the fifth trimester happens right after the fourth, just like the order of the numbers. But um, in this phase, this is when mom and baby start getting into a groove. So the biggest hump of the fourth trimester is kind of winding down. Baby is sleeping a little bit longer and you start to have a routine, right? Like um, babies don't know the difference between day and night. And it's not until like eight weeks old and on they start to catch on the day and night cycles um and so there's practicing of that up to 12 weeks and then after that that you enter this fifth trimester where things settle down this is when you moms usually go back to work and so preparing for that is another milestone that you kind of transition into um and pumping has a lot to do with that um and um So just kind of like the new, I don't want to say new normal because the normal quote unquote phases are so fast. Like you're in a new normal and then a new normal, then the next thing and the next thing. Like the first year is such a roller coaster. Um, A well, like a really fun roller coaster. Um, But it's, um, it's just up and down. And then the light at the end of the tunnel would probably be after the fifth trimester, in my opinion, just because by that time, now you're kind of in the groove of like back to your normal pre-baby thing. So if mom is going back to work, juggling the whole work and home life is the next hurdle. And then by the end of that, you kind of have the a good sense of things and um, you, you're getting the hang of things. And then six months after when the baby is six months, you um, introduce solid foods and there isn't this pressure, you know, as much pressure for the breastfeeding and pumping because baby's now eating other things and helping him or her become more, you know, full. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the fifth trimester is, is kind of that, transition into new mom life yeah that makes a lot of sense um what if a mom is listening to this and you have so many great ideas but she doesn't have a lot of time to prepare what should she focus on so my one of the things I harp about all the time is moms don't get enough help and so if you don't know where to start start with getting the support um, I think it's kind of unfortunate that we, I mean, it's it's a good thing, but I think it bleeds over to motherhood, which it's, it's not good for motherhood. The whole, like, I'm a superwoman, I can do it all. Like, you know, I'm a career woman. I, I have all these achievements. I've worked so hard to get to this point, And I, I did it all by myself, or I did a lot of it by myself. 
in motherhood, it's the complete opposite. You mm-hmm. want a village. Babies were not meant to be raised alone. So you need to look for the people that are going to support you. And um, that is the strength. You know, asking for help and using the help is actually a really courageous, brave thing to do and not trying to do everything by yourself because you don't have to prove yourself, right? Like you need to help yourself so that you can help your baby. And the more help you have ahead of time, the better off you'll be in your fourth trimester and your fifth trimester. So if you don't have a lot of time to prepare, you know, focus on the things that are going to help you in the fourth trimester, which is you know, a certified lactation counselor, a, um, a physical therapist that, that specializes in uh, pelvic floor therapy, because there's, that's another thing that a lot of women overlook, because we don't know. I mean, I didn't know. There's a lot that happens in our pelvic floor that can, you know, um, just make things harder to heal postpartum. Um, and finding a community, finding other mom friends, if you don't have very many, um, you know, moms with similar age babies because they're going through it with you Mm. um and yeah just there are there there are so many people that can help you and on the journey and preparing and looking for them and doing the research ahead of time will just put you ahead in your fourth and fifth trimester I saw some meme or post the other day on social media and it said something like instead of telling that person, she's super mom or superwoman. ask what's one thing you can help her with or take off her plate. You know, kind of this idea that you're saying of, you know, that's not super helpful to just say, oh my gosh, you're doing it all. How do you do it all? She probably could use some help in one area or another, even if it's something small. And maybe everybody doesn't feel comfortable asking or even when somebody says, I can help you giving them person a task. So even just taking it, you know, eliminating all of even the question about it of, is there something I can help you with? Just taking that piece out and just saying, give me one thing right now to do. Like, I'm not going to walk away or hang up this phone call until you tell me one thing I can do for you. Yeah, that is so helpful. And um, I, I tell moms when they have visitors in the you know, the next few weeks after having the baby, um, to put a sign at the door and say like, dear visitor, thank you so much for coming. I would appreciate if you could ask, um, for one task I need help with. And also to keep, although I know we're going to have a great time together, please help me remember to limit our visit Mm. to, whatever, whatever you can do one hour. Um, I think one hour is good, you know, for someone to come over and do one thing and keep you company, let you take a shower. Um, and then, and then end the visit because I did, I'm guilty of this. I would do this too. When I had a visitor, I would get into conversation and you're, you're just craving adult conversation. So you just get into long you know talks and time flies and before you know it you're exhausted and you you didn't expect to be that exhausted or to become that exhausted and then you're kind of off your routines and it just it just you know it would be a more meaningful visit and valuable valuable visit if it was limited and helpful Mm -hmm. kind of quality over quantity type of thing exactly and you know because 
and a little note at the door because I will forget or I may not want to say it. You know, I won't say like, I don't want to delegate something to a visitor, but having that note there will, I won't, I mean, I won't forget it. And plus I don't have to say it. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. Uh, I'm so grateful for everything that you've shared with my audience today and me. I've learned a lot, Uh, but I would love for you to answer the final question I ask each of my guests, which is in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Mm. I love the name of your podcast. Oh, thanks. Yes. um, I think health is so important and there are so many different layers of health, right? And my um, passion is pregnancy and postpartum and that it that plays a big part of our health so um the time it takes to prepare for a baby will be your biggest investment Mm. so don't worry about the stuff worry about you and the help you can get for your postpartum period and that will be honestly the biggest investment for your mental health, your sanity, your physical health, just returning to your pre-baby. And I'm not even talking about weight or fitness. It's just feeling like you're yourself again. Mm. And we cannot do it alone. So invest in the support. And, you know, it does take a little time. And I think that's what investment is all about. It's time, Mm. right? Because money is time as well. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Where can listeners follow and find you? I know you mentioned you work with people outside of your podcast. So where can they find all of that good stuff and your resources? Thanks for asking. So you can follow me at on Instagram at new mom boss. And then I also have my podcast, the new mom boss podcast, and I have courses and I also work with um, pregnant mamas one-on-one. But um, Instagram and my podcast are the best places to find me. I was just thinking, too, speaking of registries, what a cool gift to get a mom that would be unique and something she's not expecting at her baby shower, one of your courses to help kind of guide her through this period. Yeah, definitely. It's not expected. And that is one of the things I am trying to change in the world is the way we prepare for babies. Mm. In my intro and my podcast, I say that we prepare for our weddings, most women, you know, one year in advance, but then we prepare for our babies, you know, just a few months or weeks before we have them. And it's usually just the baby shower and the hospital class for this most important role of your life and the most impactful job you'll ever have and that's being a mom wow well thank you so much for everything you shared today Calista and I'm looking forward to staying connected thank you so much Brooke thanks for having me I appreciate it well that's all for today thanks again for joining me here on the health investment podcast I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, 
treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.